Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. It's Wednesday, July 28th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. St. Louis hospitals are familiar with violence in the region. That makes them ideal to train and prepare the nation's Air Force medical personnel on what to expect in military conflict. The kinds of injuries that we see in our military hospitals, we only see when we're deployed or we come to readiness places like this. These are the places, St. Louis, that our Air Force medical personnel need to be to stay current. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt explores one of the lesser-known relationships between Scott Air Force Base and the St. Louis medical community. That story's coming up in just a few minutes. St. Louis County Council members have voted to terminate the county's mask mandate that went into effect Monday. The decision follows a contentious debate. As St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports, the issue is expected to be decided in court. The council voted 5-2 to to end the mandate. The health order requires anyone over five years old to wear a mask in indoor public places, regardless of their vaccination status. Some council members said Page should have consulted them before imposing the mandate because a new state law limits his ability to do so. Page says he has the authority to enact a mask mandate, but that a suit against it by Attorney General Eric Schmidt will decide on its legality. We do have a mask mandate that's in effect in St. Louis County. It's before a judge. Uh, The Attorney General has filed a lawsuit, and I hope that moves quickly to resolve this. St. Louis Mayor Deshara Jones joined Page in enacting a mask mandate for the city. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. As the debate continues in St. Louis County, the move to renew mask mandates is spreading to other areas. Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas is planning to implement the restriction following revised guidelines from the Centers for Disease Control. Illinois is also following CDC's recommendation calling for vaccinated people to again wear masks indoors. As Hannah Meisel reports, it is unclear how that change will affect the upcoming school year. Almost as soon as the CDC announced its initial guidelines earlier this month, the state's Department of Public Health fully adopted them. The state's Board of Education had been waiting on that guidance, and many school districts began announcing they were going mask optional for the school year that in some places begins in just a couple weeks. Governor J.B. Pritzker on Tuesday didn't have any immediate answers about what he'd do in the face of new guidelines. There's no doubt that will weigh heavily on decisions that I'll make about what we should do for the state of Illinois. So just give me an opportunity to read it. Illinois' economy has been fully reopened since mid-June, but private businesses have the option to require masks. However, many have dropped that requirement as the summer wears on, despite a recent rise in cases and hospitalizations. I'm Hannah Meisel. The Missouri Department of Labor is rolling out a program to offer waivers to 47,000 people it mistakenly overpaid federal unemployment benefits to last year. Most of those who received the benefits were out of work because of the pandemic-related shutdown. Those eligible will get a notice from the state and must apply for the waiver on the department's website within 30 days. The state says waivers will be granted on a case-by-case basis. The Labor Department also plans to restart collection efforts next month to recoup nearly $40 million in state unemployment overpayments. Democratic state lawmakers have been calling on the governor to forgive that money as well. The next president and CEO of the Deaconess Foundation wants to make sure communities of color 
have a say in how the St. Louis region combats racism. Bethany Johnson-Javois plans to examine schools, public health, and the justice system. St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson reports. Bethany Johnson-Javois says her 12 years leading nonprofit institutions and her long commitment to racial justice makes her the right person to lead the Deaconess Foundation. She's a wife, mother, evangelist, and CEO of St. Louis Integrated Health Network. Johnson-Javois will begin leading the foundation in October. She plans to continue its focus on the well-being of children in the region and address what they need now by talking to the people. What I really have an intent to do is to make sure that this beautiful mission of Deaconess really come to fruition, not 100 years from now, but in, in my generation, in a generation. Justin Jevois says she wants to make sure she collaborates with communities in the Metro East. I'm Andrea Henderson, St. Louis Public Radio. Scott Air Force Base is a well-known economic anchor in the Metro East. The military also has deep ties to other aspects of the St. Louis region, like the area's vast medical community. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt reports. The inside of this basement room on St. Louis University's medical campus closely resembles an emergency room. The doctors and nurses coordinate treatment for a patient who's missing part of their right leg. The patient in this case is a life-sized mannequin, but the medics treat the situation as if it were real. You okay? He's coughing over here. Can you this scene is the second simulation for Air Force medics in a two-week course with the Center for Sustainment of Trauma and Readiness Skills, or C-STARS. High on one of the walls, the numbers on a digital clock slowly tick upward, noting how long it's been since the simulation started. About five minutes in, a second patient arrives in the emergency room. The medics then hear an explanation of what happened and the specific injuries they must account for. Right, guys, because of the facial injuries, um, we are not going to be doing the nasal trumpets. Um, okay. Kimberly, we could attempt some bagging to try to improve our oxygenation yeah, to give us a Active duty medical personnel with the Air Force are required to undergo this kind of trauma readiness training every two years. Major Stephen Ray is the deputy director for C-STARS in St. Louis. There are other programs in Cincinnati, Baltimore, Omaha, and Las Vegas. Ray says the training is designed using feedback from those who were deployed. The instructors like myself and others at different sites around the country have gotten together and said, what experiences, what patient injuries have we seen that we need to replicate here? This simulation included injuries from an improvised explosive, something Ray says Air Force medics would see while deployed. Ray says hospitals in these cities unfortunately treat many people wounded from gun violence. The kinds of injuries that we see in our military hospitals, we only see when we're deployed or we come to readiness places like this. These are the places, St. Louis, that our Air Force medical personnel need to be to stay current. Aside from simulations, the Air Force medics also shadow doctors in the emergency room and watch the care they provide in real time. Dr. Carl Freeman is the trauma medical division director at St. Louis University Hospital. He says the observation shows the medics how to maintain composure when caring for serious injuries that can happen in armed conflict. A lot of these people have never seen these type of injuries and it's really important for them to learn how to take care of them and not to be 
distracted by the injury. Freeman experienced this himself almost 20 years ago as a young surgeon in the Air Force. He says he volunteered to take on-call shifts at SLU Hospital, and the exposure prepared him to provide treatment overseas. While Sea Stars is based out of Wright-Patterson Air Base in Ohio, the program's origins have ties to Scott and the St. Louis region. Freeman says it grew from a relationship between SLU Hospital and Lieutenant General Paul Carlton Jr., who commanded the Air Force Medical Center at Scott in the late 1980s. When he became the Surgeon General of the Air Force, he realized that the Air Force personnel needed uh, further uh, trauma training, and he reached out to SLU for the Air Force to work with the university in the hospital. Scott Air Force Base's presence has spurred other partnerships in the St. Louis medical community, like the Family Residency Program at St. Elizabeth's Hospital in O'Fallon, Illinois. Dr. Marjorie Guthrie directs that program. Having the residency partnered with the United States Air Force does give us more manpower. And it, more manpower means more patients seen. She says eight of the 14 residents the hospital welcomes each year are active duty. While some Air Force members use the medical facilities on base, others turn to what's available in the surrounding community. Guthrie says that brings her hospital a unique set of patients, which is important for family medicine since it doesn't specialize on one particular body part or age group. You're not just working with underserved patients or you're not just working with military patients. You get a nice broad variety, a nice diversity of patients. She says the partnership adds a layer of depth to what the hospital can offer both to its residents and to those in the surrounding community. Community. I'm Eric Schmid, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Fred Ehrlich edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.